Holy Father, we know it is true. Happy the home. Bless the home. Where prayer is heard. Where the word is read. Many of us in that moment of singing those words returned in our mind's eye. That little bedroom, that tiny living room, that place where home was for us that way. On this day that honors the mothers in our midst, may Holy Scripture bring a word to them and to us all through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May I read a poem to you? It's a poem composed by a man I consider one of the great preachers of the 20th century. H.M.S. Richards, senior, pioneer, and for all all of Christendom was a pioneer with radio. Communicating the Everlasting Gospel. I read his biography by Bob Edwards, and at the very end of his biography, this poem that uh, Richards wrote about his mother appears, last page. It's entitled, When Mother Tucks Me In. How the changing years have borne me far away from days of home. Now no mother bends above me. When the time for sleep has come. But it gives my poor heart comfort. And it brings me rest within. Just a dream that I am little. And my mother tucks me in. As I kneel there with my brother by the bed above the stairs. And I've got to tell you, that's the way it was in our little home. And I hear my gentle mother whisper, Boys, remember prayers. Then she comes and prays beside us, Father, keep them from all sin. Oh, her kiss is tender, loving, when my mother tucks me in. When at last the evening finds me and life's busy day is done, all the bands of earth that bind me shall be broken one by one. Then, O Lord, be Thou my comfort, calm my soul, Thy peace to win. Let me fall asleep as gently as when mother tucked me in. God bless our beloved mothers. And it just so happens that in the congregation this morning, I have my own mother sitting. Hallelujah. She and her husband flew in late Thursday evening. Came here to spend Mother's Day weekend with us. By the way, just uh, as a point of interest, this is the first time in history that Karen and I will have the joyful honor of having both our mothers together on Mother's Day. It's never happened before. I don't know if it'll ever happen again. Mom and Bert live out in, in uh, Banning, California. It, both our mothers are married to preachers and we're preachers, and so that means you live all over the country and you just aren't close enough to get together for weekends like this. So it's such an honor. Today And we'll, we'll introduce them both simultaneously in second service. Karen's mother is a bit older, but she'll be here for second church. But I didn't want to miss this chance to introduce to you this 
woman that I love so dearly. And so I'm going to have Mom, Barbara Nelson Rinderhoff, with her husband, Bert Rinderhoff. I want to invite them to stand where they're sitting in the pew. We are so glad to have them here. Hallelujah. Well, awkward ambitions. We begin a little mini late spring mini-series right now. And on Mother's Day, what, what, what more appropriate beginning to this mini-series than to consider, to ponder for a few moments together the very awkward ambitions of a mother. Those of you that are mothers will know exactly of what uh, the Bible teaches this morning. The awkward ambitions of a mother. In fact, if you will open your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, I'm telling you, this is, this is, this is embarrassing, the ambitions you're about to read of a mother. Fascinating story. So that we're ready for the story when it starts. Would you just go ahead and pull your study guide out right now? Pull your study guide out of your worship bulletin. Thank you, ushers, right now for uh, getting the study guides out. Howard, do you have the... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, hold your hand up if you didn't get a study guide. We want to make sure you get one. Their hand's up here at the front. That includes the balcony, by the way, if you need a study guide. And while they're getting those study guides out, those of you listening on the radio this Mother's Day weekend or watching on television, we're glad to have you. This little series, Awkward Ambitions, we begin today. A little mini-series, four-part. Next time together, The Awkward Ambitions of a Middle Class. Of a Middle Class. We'll plunge into that next time. But go to our website, please. www.pmchurch.tv And the title of the series, Awkward Ambitions, will begin on this Mother's Day weekend with The Awkward, the Ambitions of a Mother. You'll see Study Guide there. Click that. And you'll have the same study guide we do. And you can join with us. Not going to get to the study guide now. I want to get to the story, but I just wanted to make sure you had the study guide ready. Let's go. Matthew chapter 20. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 20. Fascinating tale. Talking about maternal ambitions. You got it here in all its glory or lack thereof. Matthew chapter 20. I'll be in the New King James Version. By the way, that's the uh, Pew Bible. If you don't uh, have a Bible, please follow the story along in your Pew Bible. It'll be, what page is, it, page is this? It'll be page 664. Pew Bible, Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him, that would be Jesus, with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. Now, we need to hit the pause button right there. Do you know who this mother is? Hmm? Do you know who this mother is? Well, of course, she's the uh, mother of the sons of Zebedee. So we'll call her Mrs. Zebedee. But uh, do you know who the sons of Zebedee are? Who are the sons of Zebedee? Quick, quick, quick. James and John. These are James and John. This is James and John's mother, mama. All right. Now, I was amazed in studying for this to discover that there are commentators, not just one, but several major commentators who are suggesting she is more than just the mother of James and John. And I want to do a little bit of syllogism with you, a little bit of logic with you from Scripture. This is not, this is not airtight, all right? This is not airtight, but it's pretty close to that. And so fill it in in your study guide. We won't even bother to look these verses up. But in Matthew 27, verse 56, there are three ladies mentioned at the cross. One of them is called the mother of Zebedee's sons. So just write in the mother. The mother of Zebedee's sons. Now, Mark chapter 16, verse 1, those same three ladies, one of them now appears with a different title. She's called Salome. In the Greek, it's Salome. So we have now a woman named Salome. And if we now add John's crucifixion passage, which would be John 19, 25, she is called the sister, 
the sister of Jesus' mother. If they're the same three women, she's now the sister of Jesus' mother. Which, keep your pen moving, which would make her then Jesus' aunt. Her, his aunt, if you prefer. And her sons would be his cousins. Amazing. Which may very well, by the way, and suddenly lights begin to go off in my, my mind, may very well explain not only the awkward, but the audacious ambitions of Aunt Salome, who figures, go figure, who figures that she and her boys have an inside track with her nephew and their cousins. And who's unashamed to pull a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of nepotism doesn't hurt. Just heard this week in the news, by the way, from Chicago, that Mayor Richard Daly is being taken to task because his nephew has been assigned a major leadership role in Chicago. Well, this mother knows you can even work through a nephew. So she's working through a nephew. Very possible. Not airtight, but very possible. And so she comes. Very interesting. She comes with a request. Then the mother, this is verse 20 again, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons. Now notice this, kneeling down and asking something from him. Mark it well, please, dear mothers, write it down. She is now in the most powerful position a mother can adopt, kneeling, kneeling before Jesus. Why is that so powerful a position? Because of God's so powerful a promise. That's why. Isaiah, you need to see this in your Bible. Some of you, many of you know this, but it's possible some of you have never seen these words. And, oh boy, if you're a mother and you see these words today, you'll never forget them. Isaiah, so go back into the Old Testament. That would be page 494. Go to Isaiah. Beautiful, beautiful promise. Isaiah chapter 49. Can you find that? Isaiah 49. Now notice this promise from God. Verse 25. But thus says the Lord. This is the Almighty One. Thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away and the prey of the terrible be delivered. For I will contend with him who contends with you and read it out loud to me, congregation, and I will save your children. Would you write that in, please? I will save. That is a promise from God. I will save your children. How many of us as mothers and fathers have found solace in that divine assurance, I will save your children. You know what? I don't mind telling you, I am going to hold God to that promise. Yes, I am. I understand all about free choice. I understand about free will. And you and I know that God would never force our children to do that which they would not want to do on their own, but... Apparently, kneeling before Jesus, it is okay for a mother or a father to plead on behalf of that child. Even when the child cannot make the plea himself or herself. Because you have the father of the epileptic boy, you remember? And the boy couldn't say a word, but the father says, I believe, help my unbelief, save my boy. Even when the child isn't praying the prayer, you, mama, can pray that prayer. You can pray that prayer. I'm holding, you your, I'm holding you to your promise, God. You save my children. And by the way, please note this. Who is this God who makes such an audacious promise? Go back up to verse 15, same chapter. God calls himself a mother. Look at this. Verse 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? 
It's possible. It's possible. A mother could forget her child, yet I will not forget you. See, verse 16, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Write it down. I will not forget you. You know why? Because he's the mother God of the universe. This is one of those beautiful passages where God paints his self-portrait, paints himself with the maternal hues so that he appears as a mother, not a father. He appears as a mother. The nail-scarred hands of Jesus, the hands of a mother. I've inscribed you on my hands like a mother. All right, go back. Go back to our narrative this morning. Verse 20, Matthew 20, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And I love this. Look at this, verse 21. And he, Jesus, said to her, What do you wish? Please note, ladies and gentlemen, the response of the Christ who loves mothers. What do you wish? What, what, what is it you want, woman, for your children, for your child? With tender deference, Jesus. By the way, Jesus, who could have lambasted, lambasted that ambition, just blew it out of the water. He could have. Instead, he actually solicits it. He wants to know what a mother wants most. Tell me, what is it you wish? What do you want to know? What is it you want for your children? Do you have dreams, mama? Do you have dreams for their life companion? What mother doesn't? Do you have dreams for their life career? What mother doesn't? Do you have dreams for their life commitment? Name me a mother who has not a dream for that commitment. What Christian mother doesn't? Whatever your dreams, whatever your desires for your child, Jesus invites you to tell him. He says, tell me, tell me, tell me, mama. What do you want? What do you want for that child? Verse 21 again, and he said to her, what do you wish? And she said, here, here, here we go now, watch this. And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine, they're my boys. Grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom. Now look, mama, there is nothing wrong with dreaming big, but this big? Do you understand what you've asked for? You have asked for the two highest positions for a human being in the entire universe. The only higher position would be as if you asked your boys, asked for your boys to occupy the throne itself. The king of kings. I want this boy to be on that side of you, nephew. And I want this boy to be on that side of you. You're their cousin. They're yours. Give them those two positions, these boys of mine, these disciples of yours, these cousins, please. And by the way, before we're too hard on this, dear Mother Zebedee, it isn't only Mama with this audacious and awkward ambition. <laughs> no, uh, it's very clear that the cousins that Jesus nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. You know, when you're related to people, you can get by calling them nicknames. He called them the Sons of Thunder. These boys want those positions. Now, Mark, when he tells the same story, Mark won't even mention mother at all. Matthew's the one that tells us, no, 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 mama was with them. And even in Matthew, we have the clue that the, that the ambitions include the boys, because in the very next verse, when Jesus is talking to them, he uses the plural Greek. You three. Hey, I want to talk to you three. They all want this. They can taste it. They want it. It's clear 
In this awkward moment, mother and children are joined. Because let's face it, Mama, I'm going to talk very, very uh, heart to heart with you now, Mother. Let's face it, mothers have a way of transferring their ambitions onto their children, do they not? A mother who never went to college dreams of a diploma hanging on the wall of her child. A mother who is impoverished dreams of a child who will be financially secure, wealthy, and even affluent. A mother who could never be a missionary or a church worker dreams of her children fulfilling that ambition one day. Write it down. Mothers are gifted with the innate ability to transfer their ambitions to their children. Oh, how true. And by the way, that is not always bad. Nor is it always good. For how many children, if Sigmund Sigmund Freud can be believed, and I think he can in this one, how many children have gone through their lives trying to live up to their mother's ambitions? It's not for me, Mama. It's not for me to pass judgment on those ambitions you have for your child, those dreams. My only counsel to you would be to clasp those dreams so lightly, like you would a butterfly. For it is possible that not one of those dreams for your child may ever come true. And that would be a sorrow not even God intends for you to bear. Hold it lightly. Desire of Ages describes this moment. Their mother was a follower of Christ and administered to Jesus freely of her substance with a mother's love and write it in, an ambition. She's just like every mother I've known. With a mother's love and ambition for her sons, she coveted for them the most honored place in the new kingdom. For this, she encouraged them. She's transferred the ambitions to them. She's encouraging them. Ask for it. Ask for it. Go for it, boy. As our ages goes on, Jesus bears tenderly with them, and I love this, not rebuking their selfishness and seeking preference above their brothers. He reads their hearts. He knows the depth of their, of their attachment to Him. Their love is not a mere human affection. Though defiled by the earthliness of its human channel, it is an outflowing from the fountain of His own redeeming love. He will not rebuke, but deepen and purify that ambition. And so Jesus responds, awkward, oh, it was an awkward moment. Audacious, indeed, he responds. Verse 22, but Jesus answered and said, you, that's plural, you three, you do not know what you ask. My, oh, my, oh, my, how true that is with me and God. Half the time, I don't even know what I'm asking for. I'm asking, I'm begging, I'm pleading. I don't even understand. Do you know what? Sometimes we press God for that which we insist on having, and we're not even certain what it is that we insist on having. What if God answered every prayer you and I prayed? We'd be in a heap of trouble right now. You don't don't even know. You don't even know what you're asking for. I was at an anointing this week. We were sharing Bible promises together. 
including these poignant words from a little book called Ministry of Healing in its chapter, Prayer for the Sick. Jot it down. God is too wise. This is beautiful. God is too wise and good to answer our prayers always at just the time and in just the manner we decide. He will do more. Write that in. He will do more and better for us than accomplish all our wishes. Why? Because as Jesus said to the mother of Zebedee's boys, do you understand what it is you are asking? Do you understand? Verse 22, but Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, count us in, we're able. Jesus replies in verse 23, you will indeed drink my cup and you will indeed be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by the father. Little did this mother and her two sons realize how their prayer was, in fact, going to be answered. James, the older boy, that James will be the first of that inner circle of twelve to be executed, beheaded at the behest of King Herod. John, John boy, the youngest of the disciples, would end up outliving all of them and live the longest life of suffering and persecution before he finally would die. Oh, yes, you will drink the cup. Trust me, boys. Cousins, you will be baptized with the baptism. But no matter how your story ends, that story's ending will not guarantee that those two positions, I must tell you, only the Father can give those. Only the Father. As Our Ages concludes with these words. Oh, this is a beautiful a little bit of insight here. Fill it in. The one you want to you want to stand nearest to Jesus in the kingdom? You want to be you want to be the one that's nearest to him? Fine. Nothing wrong with that ambition. I predict God honors that ambition. You want to be near? Fine. Here it is. The one who stands nearest, write it in, nearest to Christ will be he, she, who on earth has drunk most deeply of the spirit of Jesus' self-sacrificing love. Love that moves the disciple as it moved our Lord to give all, to live and labor and sacrifice, even unto death for the saving of humanity. Write it down, my friends. Perhaps it is best that mothers do not live long enough to know the final chapter in their children's lives. Perhaps it's best. But perhaps that's it. Perhaps that is precisely where the ambitions of a mother ought to be focused, on the final chapter of her child's life. Because in the end, in the end, there's only one chapter that matters. It's the last chapter. It's the only one that counts. Oh, sure, Mom. Go ahead and pray for his life companion, as I know you do. Go ahead and, go ahead and pray for her spouse-to-be. It's ten years before your daughter will ever even think of getting married. But go ahead and pray for it. It's okay. Pray for their life successes. Pray for their professional successes. Pray for his life work, her career. Of course, Mama, you pray. But remember, would you write this down? There are some dreams, some dreams you have to let go. You have to let go. Either keep your pen moving because your child has made choices. That's a key word. Your child has made choices that are mutually exclusive to that dream that you've been praying for. Or 
because it is possible your child was never meant to be, never meant to do, never meant to become that. By the way, I'm talking to some of you mothers now. This includes dreaming for your adult children, too, who make later in life choices that dash your dreams. Let it go. Let it go. Maternal ambitions are fierce. I know. I have a mother. I'm married to a mother. Maternal ambitions are hard to let go, but there is one dream, blessed mother, you must never let go. A friend of mine one day taught me that lesson when I was sharing with him the struggles of this paternal heart. Hmm? And he said to me, quietly, I have learned, Dwight, that there comes a time when you have to surrender all your dreams. Let them all go. Just let them go. Dreams for their schooling. Dreams for their spouses. Dreams for their successes. He said to me, jot it down, he said, I must surrender all the dreams I dream for my children. Except one, I will never surrender, he said to me. I will never surrender my dream for their salvation. That is one prayer I will pray till I die. I will pray and pray and pray. Good counsel for mothers too, by the way. Never surrender that dream. And so on this Mother's Day, let us end with what is surely the greatest prayer a mother can pray. Nothing awkward about this ambition. Nothing audacious about this. Holy Scripture has recorded this prayer so that you would never forget it. Go to 3 John chapter... uh, 3 John verse 4. There is no chapter. We put it on the screen for you. Then you'll fill it in. 3 John 4. Let's put it on the screen, please. I have no greater joy. Isn't this beautiful? A mother. Just a few months ago, a mother... Outside of my home, another mother in this community drew my attention to this verse. Isn't this beautiful? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Write that in again, please. Make sure you have it. I have, 3 John 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Dear mother, you may not live long enough to know your child's final chapter. You may not live long enough to know it. It's okay. You will live long enough, promise, you will live long enough to pray for your child's final chapter. So you pray. In advance, you may be writing that chapter. As you kneel at the feet of Jesus, who has always answered the prayer of a mother's heart. Always he has answered that prayer. Let's pray for the words of a mother's prayer. Fathers can pray this. Singles can pray it. It doesn't matter who you are. Lead them, my God, to Thee. Lead them to Thee. These children, dear of mine, Thou gavest me. Oh, by Thy love divine, lead them, my God, to Thee. Lead them, my God, to Thee. Lead them 
to Thee. It's the one prayer we can all pray. Hymn 653. Let us pray this prayer together. <laughs> 